Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of the Physique Development Podcast, a podcast bringing you structured Q&As, deep dives on a single topic, and inside looks on our team. And today's episode is going to be part of a three-part series for all of the owners going over our fitness journeys. Now, if you're wondering about the coaches, each coach has their own podcast episode, so you can definitely go and check those out, and we'll link them in the show notes below uh, so you can learn more about each coach and their fitness journey. But We wanted to be able to have these episodes recorded for each of us of how we got started and what the whole path is uh, because we thought it would be really cool. So starting off is Alex Bush, colon, fitness journey. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) This is going to be about my fitness journey. And do you want me just to go ahead and dig in? Are you going to? I'm going to ask you questions. Okay. How or what got you into lifting and fitness? Was it something in your childhood, an influence? What what all was going on there? Um, what got me into my fitness, I suppose, was going to be athletic-based. Um, I, I was into sports from a very young age. I played baseball. I played basketball. I played football. I played baseball and football through college. Um, and then I played, or no, I played baseball and football through high school, played baseball in college, Um, getting all the rust off from uh, not podcasting for a little while. But um, I started because of fitness, or I started because of sports. And within that, I was very small. Um, We've talked about this a a couple of different times on the podcast where um, I had always been, even in through the early portion of of high school, you could say even into the later portion of high school for me, um, I was a a smaller individual. Um, I really enjoyed fitness. I loved uh, resistance training and those different things. Um, But yeah, the beginning was, was from sports. And how, at what age should you start buying some magazines to learn about Jay Cutler's routine? I was, I was pretty young. I, I, my grandmother, um, is the actual one who started to buy them for me. Uh, within those, it was muscular development. I had begged my grandmother, um, begged my parents to buy me the magazines. They kept saying no. Uh, and my grandmother agreed to, if I think the, the agreement was that, that if I was, you know, cleaning the the house mm-hmm. for her or did stuff for her, that I could get the magazine every month that she would pay for the subscription, which was like, Ten dollars, you know, something ridiculous, and so that was kind of the the start of things for me. Uh, a couple of different players that I was very obsessed with growing up in terms of their um, like how jacked they were. I, I thought that Mike Allstott was he was a, a Buccaneer, a fullback for the Buccaneer. I thought he was awesome. Uh, Dan Ugla was a baseball player who had massive forearms, and those are like those two in my mind right now. Uh, <laughs> I think of when I think of when I was younger and sports people who were who were also jacked but great at the sport they were playing. Um, but I was also just a massive Jay Cutler fan. Yeah. So at the beginning, what all was it like? You got the magazine subscription, but what kind of perpetuated things from there? Were you just in athletics and high school, and then because you were lifting, got into things? Or go ahead and tell us that story. So, so like past the point of of getting into it more so. You got the magazines, but what kind of pushed you from there? What what did the timeline look like from getting those okay. magazines at a young age to getting into high school? So for for us, middle school was kind of the start of lifting for sports. And we were very blessed to have a high school strength conditioning coach who would come down twice a week and work with the kids at the junior high or, or middle school, however uh, you address it. But uh, his name is Josh Wildeman. And it's it's crazy because Josh is still in in our in my life, in your life, um, as a mentor and those different factors to still have that relationship with someone who I guess would have been working with me since I was 12 or 13 is, is crazy. Um, and so he was a, a big um, influence in terms of just me enjoying the intricacies more. I think that a lot of individuals as they are resistance training in high school, junior high, they're just told to squat, bench, and deadlift, and there's not really any rhyme or reason to what they're doing. Um, it's just kind of what was passed down from generation to generation. And Josh came from a place of, of doing things right from the very beginning. And there was a lot of us doing uh, fundamentals and technique-based stuff to get started um, before we ever really got into the weight room. And that was really annoying as a 
kid at the time because you just want to you want to be strong. You want to do what you see in the magazines and um, on TV and those different things. But he was very fixated and, and rightfully so on us doing things correctly. Uh, preventative injury, that kind of stuff. Um, so Josh was a, a huge catalyst uh, throughout my junior high into high school. And then I was able to work with him throughout college and those different things. Um, and then just also the, 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 the portion where I talked about me being very small. Me being very small was a huge catalyst of wanting to get better at resistance training, understanding that I had to use that as a tool if I wanted to be better at sports in general, because I was not as physically gifted from a, um, a build perspective. I, I was athletic in the nature of, of speed and agility and those different things. But in terms of just sheer size, that was not my uh, cup of tea, I suppose, or what, what God gave me from that point, you know? And if you didn't know, Alex is an extremely competitive person. So <laughs> if you put him in a sport and he knows he can get better at it somehow, he is going to do everything in his power to, to accomplish that goal. So he started like he said, with the magazines, but what did it look like for food? And when you started training by yourself, um, because you were training for your sports mm -hmm. and a lot of people have done sports, know what those weights look like, but that's very different than going to the gym yourself or building out your own program or deciding what that looks like nutrition wise. So fill us in on that. Yeah. So within the resistance training for sports, we would have either weights in the morning or in the afternoon, depending on what sport I was training for specifically. Um, so within that, I would also train on my own as I felt as um, I needed to basically train double the amount that my peers were training to be on their level, essentially. Um, and to a degree, that was correct. I, I needed to put in the extra time to uh, make my dreams or what I wanted to transpire occur. And so um, I would go in later into the evening, I'd have my parents drop me up at the gym. And then when I started to drive, um, I would drive myself to the gym and those different things. And I would create my own training to a degree. I would kind of copy what Josh was doing within the uh, sports specific training. But then I was incorporating some things that I would see done by Jay Cutler and some of the volume based stuff that uh, Jay Cutler was doing and, and uh, different bodybuilders at that time. And then from a, a nutrition perspective, there was a, a long stint of time prior to um, my fitness pal being a thing that I was I was tracking my food without understanding that I was tracking my food. I was more so I was at I understood that I needed to have an excessive amount of calories to sustain the um, energy output that I was having where I would have two resistance training sessions, I would have practice, whether that be baseball or football at the time, uh, throughout high school from freshman year really on. And so I had an understanding that calories were the, the name of the game. And so more so I was tracking calories from a young age, but I was using these, um, like small notebooks, like the ones that you get at dollar general, they're like 15, 10, 15 cents, whatever those are. Um, and I would just carry those around in my backpack generally or in my pocket and just write down what I was eating to make sure that I was getting enough food. And um, I'm sure that the the accuracy of how I was tracking or uh, the calorie allotments and we, I've Sue and I have a, a billion stories that I've talked <laughs> about of very miscalculated um, foods that I would, would put into those. But it was a good starting point for me to have a better understanding of the foods that I was taking in. Yeah. And within going to class and being in high school where it's not like when you're in college or when you're a young adult or a young professional where you can cook your own meals and you can buy your own groceries. How did you make that happen with the goals that you had? Um, with, with very simple foods, I suppose. And I think that, um, so throughout really my freshman through my junior year of high school, I was figuring things, I, I was, you know, you're continuing to figure things out, but freshman through junior year, I just loved it. And, and I had no idea what I was doing. And I was just kind of piecing things together, trying stuff that I had read, um, and seeing what kind of worked for me, what didn't work for me. And, and as I got into my senior year of high school, um, that's when I was, I was very gung-ho on, I felt as though I had the tools. I thought that I had it figured out, which is so funny to say, <laughs> I, you know, a decade later. Um, and so within that, I, my senior year of high school, I had a meal for every class. And so there was seven, I think we had seven periods or seven classes that we went to. And so I had a different meal for every 
class. And I felt that that was the easiest way for me to get the adequate calories in um, because we would have like weights in the morning before school started. And then I'd have a, a large meal then. And then I would just continuously have these small, but really in hindsight, very large meals. Um, and those meals, I, I would have like months where I would eat all of it. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go through these spurts where my digestion obviously <laughs> was not just corresponding with the quantity of food that I was trying to shove in my face. Especially if you knew the types of food he was shoving yeah. in his face. And so there'd be months where I just would, I'd take my six or seven meals, whatever it was, and um, I would eat like half of them. And I'd be so frustrated with myself. And I, I would, that's, I, I'm sure that that was a huge culprit of like body dysmorphia for me at the time, because I was totally relating it to, well, I didn't get all my food in, so I'm shrinking. And it was like a, a day by day, process of like, okay, you got all your food in, you're growing, you didn't get all your food in, you're shrinking. And it was like a, a die of a switch in my head that was kind of going through. But um, that's yeah, that and, and the foods were, I mean, some days it was peanut butter and jellies, it really depended on how much my mom was going to help me and how much my mom wasn't going to help me. Um, so it would be like, um, It'd be chicken that my, you know, my dad had grilled and I'd cut that up and put that in there. It'd be ramen noodles. It'd be cottage cheese and tuna and, and relish, which was, uh, I mean, in hindsight, just not a good meal, <laughs> but I had that so much. And then gallons of, of chocolate milk. Yes. Um, <laughs> like half gallons of chocolate milk every night before bed. Um, the, I mean, just whatever was going to be able to get me calories, I was on board. It was it was protein driven to a degree, but it was very you know, calorie dense is what I was shooting for more so. And what was easiest to eat. Right. Uh, so you were doing all of that through middle school and high school. And then, like you said, you played baseball in college. Now, before you got to college, you met someone who people listening should know, Austin, uh, the other co-owner of Physique Development. And what did that look like for you all meeting and finding your guys' passion for fitness together? So with with Austin and I, we we went to high school together. We we grew up together, really. But in reality, we were just he was a year older than me, um, and so we would we both played sports. So we would, we knew of each other. And so within that, um, I think it was our, our freshman year of, of college, or maybe it was my freshman year of college, maybe his sophomore year of college. And within that, um, he had just come home. He went away for school for his freshman year, similar to myself. And then he came home his sophomore year. And so within that, um, he was working crazy hours and I'm sure that in his fitness journey, he will outline specifically how crazy his hours were. I want to say that he was going to school, you know, 16 hours for the semester. And then he was working like thirds, uh, at the, at the gym. I think he was working the third shift at the gym at the time. And so he would have really weird times of being able to train. And, um, I ran into him at the gym, the, on like a, Thursday night or something. And it was, it was super late at the time I was training super late because I was, I guess I was in school and then maybe working for my dad or something along those lines Mm -hmm. to where I had to be. I was in there at like 10 o'clock every night. And so I ran into him and, uh, we had talked a little bit and I had asked if I could work out with him. And he said, well, I'll be there at, I'll be back here at 5 a.m. I think is what it was or four thirty. It was something wild, something like 5 a.m. Yeah. And, um, it was midnight at least, if not one o'clock in the morning already for the next, I mean, for the next when day. When they left the gym. Right, when we had left the gym from the night before. And um, I, I mean, I, I really wanted to. And I knew that, um, and he had already, I think he had already started competing at this point. And so I, I really wanted to learn. And so at that point, I, I showed up, I, I set my alarm. I remember for like 4.15 or 4.30, because I was going to eat before. I thought that that was <laughs> a necessary thing for me to eat before, because I was like, he is a lot stronger than me. Because we had, like I said, we went to high school together. Austin was very strong from a um, from the time that I really was aware of him. And he was he was a soft when he was a sophomore in, in high school, he was training with like the seniors and bench pressing, squatting, doing all the things that would be um, very strong 
<laughs> with the older guys in general. So I, that, that was my only perception of him. So I knew that I needed to come prepared. And so I remember wanting to, to be fueled and ready because I knew I needed to be <laughs> totally there. Um, so I remember having something to eat. I don't know what I ate, but it probably was too much. And um, I was there at 4.50. My, the gym was not far from my parents' home, thank goodness. And so it was an easy drive over there. And I think I, I mean, he said this since then, but I think I shocked him by showing up. Because there hadn't been, I mean, there's not a whole lot of people who are willing to work out until midnight or one o'clock the night before and then show back up at five o'clock ready to rock and roll again. With a full full meal on them, <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, and I think we hit legs. Or, I mean, it was something ridiculous. And then and he buried me into the ground. And that was kind of how I learned, though, is that he, uh, from the get-go, and that's how our friendship was fostered, is that um, I, I think that I continued to rise to the occasion of, of difficulty that he kind of kept presenting to to prove to him that um, it was worth his time to to invest into me as uh, a younger guy at the time and and, and built into an incredible friendship, a business partner, those different things. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So um, before we get into the business side of things, because that is a part of your fitness journey for sure, but what roadblocks did you hit along the way or what mistakes did you make um, along the way? Gosh, a lot. Um, a lot. <laughs> um, I, I think that within the, the roadblocks that I had, I think that um, just... I don't even know, I don't even know, like, I look at all of them as uh, they were great learning experiences in general, things that transpired. I don't think that I ever veered so off of my fitness journey that I would not look at them as something I just was able to learn from in general. I, I think that within the, um, I guess, the the realm of, of roadblocks was just the... Um, thought process that I wasn't capable of getting to where I wanted to be and not believing in myself to be able to um, get to the point within fitness. And I think that some of the roadblocks more so are within my coaching career rather than my personal fitness journey, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, because the the fitness side for me has always been, and, and the coaching is a passion as well, but the, the training component has always been the most fun to me and the... Um, the experience within all of that and getting better at those different things and um, how my brain works of, of being able to uh, create different components of, of um, exercise and those different factors or how things, I, I just love the, um, what's the word? Like I love the, the challenge of it all, but I also love the, just the flow and the art of, of creating um, training programs and, and training sessions and making them better. Cause I think that, they always can somehow be better within different uh, manipulations of, of different variables and those different things. Um, so I don't know necessarily if I can you know, pinpoint any roadblocks. I think that you and I talk about this quite abundantly. So if there's something that comes to your mind. Well, I think it's interesting that you said that for your fitness journey that you can't think of a lot of roadblocks because a lot of it just taught you something. Mm -hmm. And I think that the reason you didn't have as many roadblocks and something that is a superpower of yours, especially at that time, is you had such blind faith in yourself yeah. and you were um, very naive's not the word, but what is it? Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. You're very ignorant of like what the the truth of the matter was. And you were just able to relentlessly go after it because you just expected yourself to make it happen. Yeah. And I think that was a huge driver of your fitness journey that allowed you to not hit as many roadblocks along the way. Yeah, I, I think that that is, is true, um, especially within kind of the successes that I had in sports leading up to that point. I hadn't had a whole lot of things that I had fallen on my face yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was just another component that was kind of the continuation of my uh, sports that I was like, okay, I'm just going to get really good at this. I have faith that I can figure this out. Um, cause like in terms of, I guess, mistakes that I made, there's a lot of, I guess, mis more so mistakes <laughs> rather than roadblocks of, you know, training twice a day, eating a copious amount of calories when not necessary, adding 
unnecessary body fat when uh, I was wanting to put on muscle tissue, those different things. Um, those like, I, I have a lot of silly stuff that I did in terms of ridiculous uh, supplements that I felt weren't necessary for those who uh, were in the supplement realm when Celtech was the, the goat and um, all those different uh, supplements, I guess I, I tried all those and didn't have the, the crazy gains that they promised me. The 20 pounds of lean <laughs> muscle tissue gained in eight weeks was not what I got. Uh, I was hoping to just see that repeat over time and, and continue to see that um, you know, every eight week cycle, just me putting on more, 20 more pounds. Um, but that never happened. So. <laughs> and did you ever falter from your goal in regards to fitness? Mm, my goal, my, I guess my, my goal has just evolved with, with me as a human. Um, and, and thankfully the, the love and, and passion that I have from a resistance training perspective has just continued with me. And like I said, changed. So it was, it was sports specific and then it got into, uh, more bodybuilding specific. And now it's more to a place of just, I, I love resistance training and, um, I still have that, that, you know, maybe that, one percent that I still could compete again, and so I, I hold on to that, and it gives me uh, a little bit of extra juice on days that I am training in those different factors. I don't know if the day will ever come that I train again, but if that opportunity presents itself, I want to be ready. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's where I'm at now, where I'm I'm prioritizing my overall health. I'm prioritizing my enjoyment within training um, because the the aspect of tracking my food, the aspect of, of tracking my sessions and those different things has always been something that I just, I prefer and I, I enjoy. And so within that, I just continue to do that. And yeah. And then how did you, speaking of competing, get into the competing world? And when was your first competition? And talk us through what that whole process was like. So uh, with with competing, as I've kind of talked about, I really enjoyed bodybuilding. I was kind of a, a closet bodybuilder fan because I was so little that I thought that it was kind of, it would be preposterous for me to uh, talk about bodybuilding when I looked the way that I did. I know ridiculous in hindsight, but that's how I felt as a kid. And so within that, I was a, a bodybuilding fan for quite some time. And as Austin and I started working out, he had already uh, started competing in men's physique. And so within the, the men's physique realm, I think that Austin had maybe turned pro within the first maybe three years of it being a thing. Um, so it was very new at the time. And um, it felt like something that was enjoyable for me that I didn't have to I mean, I was, I was so little at the time that getting to be a open bodybuilder seemed ridiculous. And I didn't know at the, especially at the time, not understanding PEDs or, or what that whole world was. Um, I was like, well, there's just no way that I do it. It's just impossible, you know? And with him saying he didn't understand PEDs, I mean, flashing back to those magazines, he thought if he followed Jay Cutler's diet and Jay Cutler's workout routine, he would look like Jay Cutler. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, um, I mean, it, it, I didn't think that, I don't know, maybe I did. Maybe I thought that Jay Cutler was natural. I have no idea. <laughs> like, that seems so silly to say out loud now. But you don't know but maybe. you yeah. know. Yeah, I think that I was just, um, I thought that truly the, the training and the um, supplements that I got at GNC specifically uh, were the things that were somehow getting Jay Cutler to be, you know, 300 pounds in the off season. And obviously now being the adult that I am in the, in the field of work that I am, that is not the case. <laughs> but um, at the time, so getting back to that, the men's physique became something that, uh, was doable for me. And it kind of quenched the thirst and passion that I had for bodybuilding in general. And so I, I don't know what year that was is, is 15, 14, 14, 15, something like that, Mm -hmm. um, is when that all got rolling. And, um, I, I fell in love with it. I mean, it was it was fantastic, and and I really enjoyed the uh, the journey of the the prep was the fun part to me, and still to this day is like the fun part to me. Where uh, show day is is fun, you get to show things off and those things, but the the sixteen the twenty weeks and and the moments of insane difficulty where within bodybuilding it's it's one of the the harder sports because you are. Um, you don't have like you have a hard day, but you still have your your chicken and rice to have in the eve. Like you don't get to have a beer, you don't get to have like this free meal to to drown your sorrows of a, a crappy day at work or something like that. Like it's it's a twenty four hour a day type 
work to be able to be a, a, an exceptional level. And so I love that aspect of it being something that um, really pushes you to be very routine because that was something I lacked prior to getting into bodybuilding was the the routine nature of things, the um, just the focus that it brings, that you, you have to have that level of focus or you're not going to excel. Um, I loved the just the difficulty of it all. And what did that look like in comparison to you weren't doing sports at that time? So did that fill a gap as an athlete, as a college athlete, as a former athlete um, within having that drive and having that routine? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think that for for sports, it was something that I was obsessed with uh, from basically the time that I was born until I was twenty, I suppose. Or yeah, um, and so in that, it was easy for me to work quite a bit at those things where I would hit off the tee and, and get a lot of extra hours in within the, the work that I was doing. And it was a great outlet for me as I, I realized that that chapter of my life was closing um, and that there was very little potential of me going on to play professional baseball or something of that nature. Um, so in that, it allowed for me to take that work ethic and just push it into something else that I was just as equally, if not more passionate about at the time. Um, and so it was a really nice transition for me. I, I don't know if one's harder than the other. Um, to me, bodybuilding seems more difficult for the sheer fact of it doesn't come as naturally to mm -hmm. me, I suppose. Um, especially the aspect of, of attention being drawn to me is not really my, my <laughs> thing. Um, and so being up on stage by myself, not super my thing, I guess. Um, but I, but I re, you know, really enjoyed it. And, and, and I, like I said, I really enjoyed the process of it all. Yeah. So you competed in that 2014, 2015, whatever year it was, and you and Austin were coaching each other, correct? Austin coached me. Yeah. Okay. And then you competed again in 2016. 17? Something along 2016 and then again in 2018. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to talk about as far as those competition seasons or what that looked like as far as adding to your fitness journey? Yeah, I, I think that it just continued to solidify how much I enjoyed the prep aspect of things relative to me being on stage. I found that in those years, I found so much more fulfillment and enjoyment in terms of coaching relative to me being up there. Um, I still have, if not a stronger love for bodybuilding in general, since I've stopped competing myself. Um, and I think that the thing that I crave now is that just prep aspect of getting um, ridiculously lean and, and having that focus and, and um, having such a tangible goal to, to push towards. Um, I think that that's what I miss rather than the, the bright lights and being on stage and those different factors. Yeah. Um, so we'll go, I know we've been jumping around a little bit, but still keeping in the timeline. So, um, let's now dive into the business side of things. So you and Austin were competing together. When did physique development or at that time campus physique start and what did the start of all of that look like? Um, I, I guess we would have, have gotten started, um, at the end of, of 2014 maybe is when campus physique started now within campus physique, that wasn't a business uh, at, in 2014. It was a brand that we were doing, you know, silly stuff on YouTube, and and we loved YouTube. It was <laughs> it was so much fun, and just we. I think Austin's mom had gifted him slash us, I suppose, because we were the ones using it the most. Um, a GoPro, and so we were filming our workouts on this GoPro, and then making ridiculous, I think Austin was editing them and chopping them up and putting music over them. And we just were posting our workouts and that kind of created a, a small batch of a community. That's interesting because there's, there's a handful of, of guys specifically that I still get DMs from that are from right, you know, at the beginning of everything. And so, um, we just started with the YouTube videos and then shortly after I had gone back to school. And so, um, I needed to buy a camera, um, for, for us to be able to film because I wasn't able to travel home as, as frequently as we needed. And so at that time, that's when things kind of, we started the business aspect, which was really just us selling these $10 programs to people on Facebook and reaching out to people to, in hopes of being able to get a camera. And so, um, within that I saved up, I think 
$500, I think is what ended up being the camera that I got. It was like a little Samsung point and shoot that gave us the capabilities of being able to have two cameras now. And so then we got, you know, two cameras and, and started to, to film a little bit. We kept up with writing the training programs more so. We weren't coaching fully, but we were writing the training programs for whoever really wanted them. I, I would have done it for free. I needed the money though. And so like, I just loved the the aspect of getting repetitions to write the training programs and, and helping people out and seeing what worked, what didn't work and um, just fulfilling that passion. Yeah. So it, it started while you guys were in college. What did it look like those first few years while you guys were still in college and trying to make it happen? What did your schedule look like? What did that look like in regards to your fitness routine? How did that all happen? Gosh. Uh, so the, the first year I was still playing baseball. So that was, and you can go back on the, the YouTube channel and be able to see, um, days like full days of eating where I have baseball practice and I have weights for baseball. And then I would go and my roommate, Kyle Asher, if you're listening, <laughs> Hey man. Um, <laughs> so he and I would go to the gym to do my, um, kind of like powerlifting, bodybuilding, hybrid type work that we were doing. It was a very excessive volume and wouldn't advise to someone who's also doing, uh, you know, a sports specific <laughs> resistance training that same day, as well as um, getting a, a sports specific training session in uh, from a practice perspective. But that's here nor there. I, we would do that. And then, um, so I'd have school, I'd have class, or I'd have class, I'd have practice, all that. It was very packed days. Um, and not a whole lot of sleep at that time and understanding what I do now about sleep. I wish mm -hmm. I would have slept more. <laughs> and, um, but I, in the summer is when Austin and I were fully together and, and being able to, to, uh, make content and, and work together more on the, the business aspect and, and being able to work with clients more so. And so within that, um, in the summer we would do inflatables. And so we would, make these massive inflatables for schools and uh, kids' birthday parties and all that. And it was just him and I. So we worked for another company and we would take these inflatables at, in the morning at five o'clock in the morning or whatever, six o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. And then generally we would do our cardio prior to that because either I think both of us were in prep or one of us was in prep, something like that. And so we'd do cardio in the morning, which would be all kinds of different stuff. Lunges around a track, uh, yeah. sprints. <laughs> what is it? Four hundred meters is yeah. a okay. So we would do a full lap of just we do four hundred meters of lunges, which was miserable. <laughs> um, and then, or we would do all like, PD clients that's coming in your next program. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, nobody should ever do that. It's a terrible <laughs> idea. Um, or and then we would so we may we would do the lunges in the morning, then go do the inflatables, inhale food and eat a bunch of food and then probably go and resistance train at that point. And then by that point we'd eat again and then we would go and tear down the inflatables, which it, I mean, these are massive inflatables. Like what you would see at your elementary school. Like your field days. Yeah, like stuff. the field days and everything. Austin and I were building those, just the two of us. And we were, I mean, we were sweating balls the whole time <laughs> and we would get those packed up and then, um, we'd go and, and do hit in the evening and we do hit on the track again, sprints, hundred meter sprints. Um, and yeah. And then you went back to school the next year and I came back. I, no, no, no. I went, I came back to USI at that point. So yeah. then we were, yeah. But you were going to school right. still. And at that point, what was your major when you started college? Uh, <laughs> I think business, business. Be, business or communications, something along those lines. Or maybe, maybe it was advertising. Mm -hmm. It was like business with a focus in advertising or something like that. But very focused on baseball at that time. Yes. So then when you went to USI, uh, what did you end up changing your major to? Uh, I changed it to exercise science. And that's the, the funny thing is that before I went to college, all I wanted to do was study exercise science. Um, but I was very fixated on being able to tell my friends who, where I was going and also the scholarship, how much money I was getting, those different factors. I was very much so fixated on that, very less fixated on, you know, what college was actually supposed to be for <laughs> of like getting me set up for my future. I was like, oh, we'll figure that out when that comes. When I'm a baseball superstar. <laughs> yeah. Um, and very quickly realized that that was not the path for me. And so was able to come back to USI and uh, study exercise science. And uh, there was 
somebody from earlier in your life that was a teacher there as well, right? Yeah. So, so Josh, who I had already referenced, um, had moved on to, he had coached at the high school level and, and taught there and then moved on to teaching at USI, who I would say is the absolute best professor at that university um, within exercise science, really within, I'm very biased. I don't want to say within <laughs> any, within, within any degree work, he's the best teacher there. Um, very biased uh, opinion there. But yeah, so Josh was there. And he continued to fuel your passion and... Yeah, um, and, and had a, a lot of belief in Austin and I specifically um, to, to be able to do what we're doing now. He was one person that uh, didn't really understand what we were talking about in terms of working with people online. Um, but he, I very vividly remember him saying, like, if there, are, if there are two guys that I believe that can do this, I think that the two of you can. Um, and you know, now eight years later it, or whatever, that would be six years from that point, I guess, um, you know, it's happening. So, and I'll, I'll insert a little brag here. Since then, Alex has been back to USI a handful of times to speak for Josh's classes to talk about what he's doing now. Um, and then he also did an internship with Josh and was able to work with him in that regard. So it's something where um, he's not just saying this teacher believed in him. This teacher really believed in him, <laughs> really had an impact and continues to believe in him and in PD. Um, so going on from that, did you know that you always wanted to help others or did coaching just feel like the next step in your fitness journey? I always, I thought that, that coaching was always going to be what I excelled in. I felt as though I needed to get the experience with competing myself first before I got to the coaching part. Um, and I, you know, there, there are times where I feel as though that my personal experience on stage still isn't adequate enough for the quality of work that I that I put out or what I'm capable of putting out. Um, so I have a little bit of imposter syndrome at times within that specifically. Um, but I would say that, yeah, I, I, I always wanted to coach in general. I, I knew that coaching was where I was going to blossom and really thrive. I think myself and many of your other clients can say that your expertise has shown itself time and time <laughs> again, and you don't need anything else to prove on the competing side, but I completely understand the imposter syndrome. So going into the next part of this, what roadblocks or struggles or things you didn't expect when you got into coaching? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> In terms of roadblocks with coaching, the the whole business aspect, <laughs> we I mean we have bootstrapped it from the the very beginning. Um, like I said, the the coaching is what drew me in. It, none of the business aspect is what drew me in. I promise you that I didn't start it to start a business. I started it because I wanted to coach, and so within that. Um, that's been the most difficult part of, of understanding the specifically the the financial aspects of things and and. Um, gosh, all the different uh, taxes and I mean, you name it, like the whole business portion of things, the marketing, the moving parts, the moving parts and, and, and having employees and uh, those different factors. It's literally just been, you know, we wake up and, and figure it out that day. It's not like we go in, like, I would love to sit here and be like, okay, we've had this five-year plan and have executed <laughs> it per perfectly. Um, but the reality is, is that it's just come from a, pa a place of, of passion and love and, and care. And I think that those were the things that um, as we got going and as things really started to pick up and grow, I know that you and I and, and, and Austin as well just had a conversation of like, this is where we're going to come from within everything that we do. And if, if we start there, there's no way that we lose and, and we can be apologetic if we make the wrong uh, decision and, and express that we thought it was the right choice at the time and those different things. And, um, so, I mean, the amount of roadblocks from a business perspective have been significantly more than what I've experienced <laughs> from a fitness perspective. And how has your journey changed since, or your journey or goals changed since you started? I know you touched on a little bit earlier as far as what your goal has been. When I asked, have you ever faltered from your goal? But what would you say has changed as far as your journey since you started? Um, okay, so within the, the, the change, I think that I started to just get as massive as I humanly could. Um, and I think that within the last two years, I've, I've realized really three years, I guess, um, that the, the passion that I have for coaching is my, my driver. And so I have to now 
fine tune my goals and, and what I want to accomplish off of that being my number one priority. So understanding that the, the stress levels that I, I carry um, from a work perspective have to be taken into consideration when we're looking at my training, when we're looking at my nutrition, um, those different factors. So um, I, I mean, you asked me four or five years ago, would I want to train four days a week? I would say, hell no. Like there's <laughs> no way I want to only train, you know, four days a week. I thought that that would be ridiculous. And now I would say that I've trained four days a week for the last, I don't know, two years. Uh, there's been phases in which I've worked worked out five days a week. But at this point in my life, I find that um, to, and, and I just have a better understanding of all the, the biofeedback markers and how everything is influencing my life and um, what priorities I have. So um, in terms of shifting the goal, I, I'm, I'm certainly not doing things at, at all costs to get as massive as I humanly could at this very moment. I'm much more from a, a health perspective and, and longevity standpoint, but also wanting to get a little bit more jacked <laughs> along the way, um, but having a much more emphasis on the, the health component of things. Yeah. So these next three questions, since we've gone over what Alex's fitness journey has been, kind of where it started, how it got to where it is now, are going to be a little bit more reflective um, as far as how things have gone. So how has fitness shaped your life? Oh, my goodness. Um, it's it's given me uh, a lot. I, I think that uh, that's I think that that's the thing that irritates me the most when people talk about bodybuilding, you know, ruin their life or what have you, uh, because it's given me so much. It's given me, um, a job that I, I love going to every single day. And it's, it's brought, it's brought you into my life. It brought Austin into my life. So two of the most important people in my life came from fitness and, and bodybuilding to a degree. Um, and not to say that obviously our relationship goes a little bit deeper than <laughs> fitness and bodybuilding as well as my relationship with Austin, but that's the 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 starting point, if you will. And I've met, um, I mean, my closest friends from fitness and, and bodybuilding to a degree. Um, and so it, it's brought so much good into my life. And I think that that's one thing that I, I that, that's one big thing within coaching is that I want to share that with other people. I want other people to have that same experience to where their life is so enhanced in a positive manner by getting their nutrition into alignment, getting their training into alignment that they can walk away and, and feel so enriched because of the uh, control that they have now within their their training and nutrition. Yeah. So it's brought a lot of people into your life, but how do you feel like it's shaped you as an individual? Um, I think it's, it's given me uh, a lot in terms of like, as a kid, I was, uh, I was a very angry kid. I had a lot of emotions that I didn't know how to control. And that was a big piece of, of me getting started was finding a way to control those emotions and that anger and those different things. Um, and so that was something for, for me that I was able to work through. Uh, so that's been a huge developmental thing for me. Um, and, and the, the work ethic aspect of things, I think that it's given me a little bit more of a, um, a kind of a chipping away mentality rather than instant gratification and wanting more, um, I guess, instant results type situation. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then if you had to start over, what top things would you do or prioritize? I would make a greater priority of my rest. <laughs> <laughs> I would prioritize my sleep significantly more than I did um, throughout high school, throughout college. I think that I probably would gain a, a, a few pounds of, of muscle tissue that I didn't gain. <laughs> and um, I would say sleep, understanding nutrition more. I think that that's one big thing at the beginning that I didn't have as much of a grasp on um, was the, the, like, I don't think I would have had much control over the quality of my foods. Like my, my parents were the ones flipping the bill at the very beginning. Um, so I wouldn't have had, like, I couldn't have told my mom, I want X, Y, and Z. She's like, no, you're getting this and you're getting this and this is good enough. Um, you're getting zebra cakes and PB&Js yeah. and that's what you're getting. Um, I think nutrition, just a, a greater emphasis on nutrition and not being so focused on just the training sessions. I think that, that was the big thing for me, especially at the beginning is that, yes, I, I had a small understanding of nutrition, but um, not to the point of, of really making exceptional gains. I think that the biggest thing with uh, new people is that... Um, 
yes, like the, the training stimulus doesn't have to be so vast that if you can nail your nutrition and still get in the gym and have a stimulus and, and have uh, tension created, those different things, like you're going to grow quite exceptionally more than just the person who has a better understanding maybe from a training perspective and none from a nutrition perspective. Yeah. Uh, and then how has your view of health changed since you started? A lot. I, I think that when I started, um, I didn't really have a whole lot of emphasis from a, a health perspective. It was performance based and it was it was aesthetic based. And so my uh, my thought process from a health perspective was not very deep. And I think that over the last you know, four years, as we've gotten into uh, working with with clients who are um, experiencing any issues from a hormonal perspective, specifically within females, um, as well as just having some things that have happened within my life from a health perspective. Um, I just, I mean, it's forced me to have a better understanding and I'm glad that I have the difference in view from a health standpoint of, of putting that first now relative to when I would have started it, not even really being something that I talked about a whole lot. Um, so a lot. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so those are the main questions I had. I do have some questions from Instagram that people wanted to know from you. But before I ask those questions, is there anything from your fitness journey, any big takeaways, anything that we didn't get to touch on that you really want to take a second to either just say your piece on or give some advice to someone listening to this or just to encapsulate kind of what everything has meant to you over the past, I mean, 15 years? Yeah. Um, I think that when people are getting started, one thing that they, they run into is that their, their mom or their dad or their significant other doesn't believe in them. Um, and, or, or doesn't understand why they're wanting to do that. And I think that when you're in that scenario, the the why that you carry in terms of why you're doing those things needs to be very, very strong. And I think that that was something for me that allowed for me to propel past you know, people making fun of Austin and I at the beginning um, for for making the the videos for wearing the the stringers where we were. I mean, I Austin was a little bit a little bit bigger. Than me. Uh, he was significantly bigger than me, and I was also wearing a stringer where I was not carrying a ton of muscle mass. Those different things, um, and being able to push through those things, and and also the friends that I had, not really understanding why I was so obsessed with it. Um, those different things, I knew it was important to me. And, um, if you know me at all, <laughs> whatever I care about, <laughs> I am going to do. <laughs> Which I think is so important. Like people yeah. aren't selfish enough with their goals. And like you talking about of someone else not understanding your goal, think of how many people don't even try because they don't have any support and they don't have the wherewithal to just push through it themselves. Yeah. So I do think it is extremely important to have that attitude and be selfish because for my fitness journey, which you'll hear in my episode, I let the opinions of others dictate what I was doing far too much. And that's why I started and stopped my fitness journey a million times. Um, but Alex has always been selfish with what he wants. Yeah. And I think it's pushed him to this level and it's allowed me to show up for myself as well. So know that if you're on your fitness journey and you're showing up for you, what impact that's going to have on other people to show up for themselves as well. So some questions from IG. What is your go-to training playlist? Oh, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I listen to a lot of rap in general. I, I feel like um, I would say that I listen to a little bit more heavy metal than anything <laughs> as I was like in high school and into college a little bit with training, um, which kind of roots back to that angry child more than anything. <laughs> um, but now I listen to mostly rap um, in terms of like artists. Gosh, it, it, it ranges. Well, then let's hit them with your PR song. Oh, um, well, sh shake your tail feather, shake <laughs> your tail feather uh, with Nelly and... Uh, Unedited version. <laughs> yeah, do not give me that edited version. <laughs> and do not give me the uh, version that does not have Nelly um, and Jay-Z and Linkin Park. Like, I, I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, and, and the baby, the baby can get me something most of the time, um, but or that, that Meek Mill, 
Uh, oh yeah, and Meek. Uh, Meek Mill was my very first like PR song, mm-hmm. and I can't even think of what that song is. I feel terrible. Like <laughs> I was obsessed with that song. There's some YouTube videos of me listening to that song every single time we went for a PR. So if you want to go back and look at those, <laughs> and trust me, when I hear "Shake It Tell Father" <laughs> coming up from the speakers in the garage, I know that he's going for something that he needs to get in a different headspace for. Yeah. Um, then uh, another question here was, how did you sort through education and myths when getting into your fitness journey and even into coaching? Um, so with education, I have always been of the train of thought that everybody has something that can help me, whether it be super duper small or it be their entire course load. Um, something in there is going to have me thinking about something differently or gaining a new perspective or a concept that I've just completely never heard before and I'm willing to try or I can incorporate within what I'm already doing. Um, But I've never felt like anybody was the absolute only person that I was going to listen to. And I think that that's a big thing for a lot of people is that they try to get fixated on one education source or one individual and be like, they are the Messiah. They know everything. And I think that that's just, it, it's impossible where this is something that even just in the last five years, it, things have changed so much. And so putting yourself in a place of just, it's ever evolving. I don't know if we're ever going to get to a place where we have concrete um, understanding of really anything. Um and, and just understanding to keep trying different things and, and getting little nuggets from each person is, is worth whatever the, the course is worth, worth, whatever the book is worth, like little nuggets are going to help you kind of piece things together along the way. Yeah. And as far as myths, you talked about it earlier, but a lot of trial and error, a lot of just putting yourself out there. Yeah. I think that with the myths, some of the stuff you, I, I, I'm someone who I just want to try stuff. I want to, I want to go through the fire to see if I get burnt. <laughs> and um, that's more of my thought process for everything is that uh, give it a shot, see what happens, be able to collect your own data um, and and go from there. Obviously, there's going to be things that are just preposterous and, and not worth trying. But like if it sparks your interest, give it a whirl, see if it's for you and kind of go from there. Yeah. And the other questions are a lot as far as the hardest part of running your own business. What interested you about the fitness journey? How did you make that leap to starting your own company? What resources would you recommend? And I would say that that's going to go better in a different podcast for us to be able to record a podcast as far as how physique development started and how it turned into what it is today. So I really want to make these focused on the individual to be able to tell their story and for you guys to be able to take something out of it. Uh, Some of you guys might have a very similar story to Alex and some of you guys might have one that relates more to Austin or I's or maybe you're just taking one of those nuggets out of this podcast. But I think that this is really cool to be able to see where he started as a, if he was soaking wet as a high schooler was probably 120 pounds and he did everything in his power to get to where he is now. And I think it's really empowering. It's really cool. You have been an inspiration and a role model for myself throughout your own fitness journey. Didn't plan to get emotional, but (laughs) that's how it always happens with me, doesn't it? Um, But Alex, thank you so much for sharing big parts of your life um, and big parts of your journey. And we'll catch you guys on the next installment of the owner's fitness journey, three-part series. Thanks guys. Peace out. Bye. Hey guys, Austin here. Thank you again for listening into the episode. It means a lot. If you can, please head over to Apple podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star review. This does help us grow and be found by others. Also, just wanted to mention, if you guys are interested in free education based around training and nutrition, be sure to check out physiquedevelopment.com backslash free education, where you will find free downloads, videos, articles, etc. No strings attached. Again, thank you. Chat soon.